2: Hi there, Rob here, and we're here with a very special bonus episode as we react to the UK revealing their entry for Eurovision 2024. It's really exciting that Dizzy is finally available to listen to, and on this episode, we bring you some brilliant insight from some incredible guests more shortly. But if you enjoy the episode, then please consider buying us a coffee. Me and James dedicate a lot of time to this podcast. It is effectively another full-time job at this point. And if you enjoy what we do, because we certainly do, then you can buy us a coffee and support the podcast over on buymeacoffee.com forward slash Eurotrip podcast. You can donate just a few pounds and it helps us keep the lights on here at the Eurotrip and helps us keep bringing you some of this brilliant content that we know you love and enjoy. So we'd love it if you'd consider buying us a coffee. If not, don't worry at all. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if you do and you haven't already, please do leave us a rating and a review wherever you're listening.
1: Thank you. The EuroTrip, when I read that, I was
3: immediately thinking of the movie. Do you know the movie? (laughs) Hi, I'm Leanne. Hello, Leanne. Uh, Leanne,
2: are you a EuroTrip podcast listener?
3: I am, yes! (laughs) I should say, I met some Eurotrip fans here. I was chatting with people outside the entrance, and they said, oh, are you are you Fist? And I said, yeah, I know you're from the Eurotrip. What did you have for breakfast? <laughs> it was last night, I did not have a kebab for breakfast. Queen Lorraine, Eurovision winner, did you ever think you would be back here again?
4: I get goosebumps, no way.
3: Martin Ossedar, executive supervisor at the Eurovision Song Contest,
2: welcome to the Eurotrip. Thank you very much. Welcome back, I think it is, right? Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Eurotrip, the world's favourite Eurovision podcast with me, Rob. Me, James. And it's time for another bonus episode. You knew this was coming. We promised you another episode this week because, of course, the United Kingdom's entry for Eurovision 2024 is out there. We finally, James, we finally have Ollie Alexander's entry for Eurovision 2024 in Malma. We finally heard Dizzy for the first time.
3: The long-awaited release. It feels like forever, doesn't it, since he, he popped up unannounced on Strictly Come Dancing a week or so before Christmas to announce uh, exclusively there that he was going to represent the UK at Eurovision and then we've had little teasers here and there he popped up doing the weather with Carol Kirkwood on social media Then we got that snippet of the chorus didn't we uh, uh, a couple of days later and now it all built up to March the 1st midnight UK time of course uh, for that release and it's finally out there.
2: It is finally out there. So obviously, when the UK entry is revealed, we have to convene for a special emergency bonus podcast, which is what we are doing right now. And you aren't going to want to miss this one because we have got later on, I think the best guest we have ever had on this podcast. And that includes Martin Osterdahl, Jon Sand, <laughs>
3: Lorene, Forget about them all. The best person we've ever had on the podcast coming up later. Yeah, we'll keep that a secret for a little while longer. We'll also be chatting to Nick Levine, a brilliant music journalist who's been on the podcast before. He'll be giving us his opinion on the song. And also, we'll be hearing from Lee Smithers and Will Wilkin, who led the search for Ollie Alexander, as well as Dan Shipton, who has worked very closely with the BBC team in the past on some of their brilliant stage designs. This is the best way to debrief now we finally have the UK
2: entry for Eurovision 2024. So you're listening on Acast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify.
3: This is the EuroTrip. So go on then, Rob. You've teased it. Who is this brilliant guest we've got coming up (laughs) up shortly? Well, James, coming
2: up later on today's episode is this person.
4: Okay. well, I'm Vicky and I'm Ollie's (laughs) mum.
2: James, Ollie's <laughs> mum is on the podcast.
3: Honestly, we could, we could have teased that in so many other brilliant ways. We could have just said, Ollie Alexander's mum is on the podcast. <laughs> just oh. no one
2: else, or at least no other Eurovision podcast, is gonna have Ollie Alexander's mum. So you can look forward to me in conversation with Ollie Alexander's mum later on. Obviously, a big day for her. Big day for Ollie. Big day for her. Her son has finally released his Eurovision song for 2024. You'll hear from Vicky later on that Ollie is a massive Eurovision fan. This is kind of a dream come true. And you'll also find out a little bit more about what Ollie is like at home. So don't miss it. You won't hear from Ollie's mum. On any other podcast today, and it's worth <laughs> sticking around for because she is wonderful, and I can't wait to to go on the entire journey between now and Malma with Ollie and Ollie's
3: mum. You don't get it anywhere else, do you? Oh, we we like to deliver. We like to deliver. But first of all, shall we have a quick blast of his song and hear from Ollie uh, who spoke to Graham Norton uh, for BBC One. <laughs>
4: I'm kind of honoured. I'm literally going to be flying the flag for the UK. It just feels really special and now I'll be part of this legacy of all these other artists that have done it.
5: Do you feel there are any risks here for you as an artist?
4: I think it's risky. That's also why it's a bit exciting. It's literally a competition where everyone is there to pull like every little detail apart and judge you against all the other performances. Yeah,
0: they literally rank you.
4: <laughs> they rank you. So it's just totally unique in that aspect. It's not something that you would kind of necessarily face as an artist, yeah. but I think that's really fun. And I quite like that element of risk. So won't you make me dizzy from your kisses?
6: Will you take my hand and spin?
2: Yeah, so you'll be able to hear that full interview this evening on BBC One if you are listening immediately at the time of release and also the music video is getting played on TV tonight but you can already go and watch that over on the official Eurovision YouTube as well. Oh, James, it, it does feel nice, doesn't it, once all this news is out there? Because it feels like there's so much build-up to the UK, and obviously in the first instance, who's going to represent the UK, and then finally, you know, what the song is going to be. It's finally out there. I was up at midnight, you were up at midnight.
3: Yeah, I was up at midnight, and also I was refreshing Apple Music religiously <laughs> beforehand, just in case it got a, a, an early release before midnight. And, and I'm showing you there, Rob, you can see the screenshot. It says 23.52, so eight minutes yeah. before midnight, I managed to have a, a very quick listen. Lying in bed, I'd been awake since four o'clock in the morning. I was ready to drift off, uh, but I managed to squeeze it in before going to bed. Uh, you, uh, you were Spotify, so you actually did have to wait until like dead on midnight. It wasn't even dead on midnight. I kept scrolling. And I'm pretty sure it was about
2: two minutes past by the time I got it, to <laughs> be honest. It felt like a but lifetime, I bet. It, yeah, it did, knowing that you were already putting your comments in the chat, having already heard <laughs> the song. But yeah, we've both listened to it. We'll read out some of your um, comments that you've been sending to us in a moment. But, I mean, James, what are your overall thoughts? Because mine are the UK are sending a slick modern pop song to Eurovision That's all we can ask for, surely, given where we've come from. It maybe doesn't live up to the hype that we'd been expecting, or at least some people had been expecting. But at the end of the day, Oli Alexander is representing the United Kingdom at Eurovision. And that is a sentence you would not have
3: thought we would be saying six months ago. And because of that, I think the standards and the expectations were set so, so high. We knew it was going to be Oli. We know he is a chart-topping artist we know what his performance is like are live so naturally the expectations were so so high and what we have to try and remember to remind ourselves is that it is ollie alexander we have made so many steps forward over the last few years uh from where we were in 2016 15 you know we've come a long way since uh since those days i'm i was gonna say i'm gonna have a bit of a rant i'm not i'm not gonna go as far as full rant but
2: Yes, you are allowed to be disappointed. That is fine. Music is subjective. But also, you're allowed to be really excited as well. Like Both, mm. th- both things are absolutely fine. And I'm just quite sick of all the negativity on social media. <laughs> like, you can say that the song's not your cup of tea, or you can say that maybe you were expecting something a bit different, or you can say that you don't think it's going to win. That's absolutely fine. But it's the way that you do it. Like, that's the most important thing. You've got a bit of grief on social, I saw.
3: I have, yeah, I, uh, I said it's a brilliant stepping stone, and we'll hear this in in the clip uh, that we we'll play you later that I have with Dan Shipton, and we both share the same comment that it's a brilliant stepping stone going forward, whatever Ollie's result is going to be uh, in Malmö. uh Yeah, and I've had i I've had a few comments saying a step a step in the right direction is not. The attitude for Eurovision but I think it definitely is. I think there was Somebody messaged me before uh, saying uh, it's certainly better than a, a step back or a step in the wrong direction. Uh, we, we simply have to wait as well don't we? we? We sometimes get ahead of ourselves when we hear a studio recording of a song but often a song takes on a whole new life when it gets on the Eurovision stage. I've said to you, I've said this on the podcast many times, I remember
2: sitting in the green room when we saw Sam Ryders' first rehearsal. So I remember sitting in the green room in Turin, watching Sam Ryders' first rehearsal, and then you were like, well, that's going to do well. And I think we might have a similar thing with Ollie in Malma. But, James, quite frankly, we don't know. And that's absolutely fine exactly exactly
3: which is always good it's always good to get initial comments out there on the studio release and we are eurovision fans that is what we do we'll see a performance from ollie very soon i'm sure we'll see plenty of them as he goes out on a promotional tour across europe and we'll just see see how he and that song develops it'll become an earworm of that i am certain and
2: to be honest yeah may muller didn't do very well at eurovision last year Love the song. Still play that all the time. And, if, and if, exactly. if that's the worst thing that we get from this year's Eurovision, that we've got a UK entry that I like listening to, <laughs> I'm happy enough. We, we asked for your reviews of Dizzy over on Instagram earlier on today. Uh, we've got a few. I'll read them out. Uh, somebody here says, Love it, however... I suspect they're holding something back for Malma. Mm. I'd be inclined to agree, potentially. Uh, someone else goes, uh, fantastic, well-produced pop. Slightly too repetitive, but it will get stuck in people's heads. Definitely will. Uh, Sean said, exactly what the UK needs to be sending. Incredible, 100% relevant to modern pop music. Uh, Ese Hayden, lots of twists and turns that I really didn't expect. Excited to see how this will be staged. Uh, Dave, we don't need this negativity. Uh, wondering what the excuse will be this year. Well, Dave, <laughs> I guess we'll have to wait and see. Uh, Kyle, there's room for improvement, but the staging could provide that solid and contemporary. And uh, Amy said, I really like it, but I do hope we get a final
3: revamp to give it a bit more up. So overwhelmingly fairly positive there. I'd say so. Keep your comments coming in. We'd love to hear from you We're across social media. We are at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Threads. And you can email us as well, hello at EurotripPodcast.com. Absolutely, you can. Well, shall we welcome our first guest onto the podcast then?
2: Ollie's mum, on the way, which is not a sentence I thought I'd say. (laughs) But first, whenever there is news to do with the UK and the Eurovision Song Contest, we like to turn to the music journalist, Nick Levine. He's a brilliant journalist. He's written for some fantastic publications like Attitude and NME. So we wanted to find out what he thought of Ollie's song this year. Here's what he told me. Nick Levine, welcome back to the EuroTrip. It's always a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Nick, whenever there is any UK-related Eurovision news, you are our go-to music journalist. So th- the first question then has to be, you've heard the song, what do you think? Well, I think like everyone,
5: like um, there's been a lot of build-up. Uh, we heard the clip that was really exciting, and so like we all wanted this song to really kind of slap us around the face. And I don't think it quite does that. But like having played the song like I guess 10 times this morning and I think twice last night after midnight, I do think it's really strong and does a lot of things right. Um I love the fact that the production is clearly influenced, especially at the start by Pet Shop Boys, It's a Sin. Um no harm in Ollie reminding people that A, he was in that huge show and B, that he's worked with Pet Shop Boys. Um and also obviously Pet Shop Boys are a really iconic British pop act who were you still are really big all over Europe. So I feel like for a viewer from different country in Europe hearing a song that sounds a bit like Pet Shop Boys, which they associate with the UK, is going to be a good thing, too. Um, so, yeah, I do think it's a banger. Um, I I do wonder if maybe there's an, a kind of an extended version of this song that has a bit more of a build in it, because it feels like this song kind of goes in hard and stays at one level. Um, I might have liked a bit more of a build somewhere. Um, but, yeah, maybe there's room to kind of tweak that in the next few months or maybe we'll get that build in the performance.
2: Are there any kind of favourite moments for you in the song? Are there any bits that you think, actually, if he can use that, say, part of the song to connect with the audience, that might make a big difference?
5: Yeah, I think the last minute where he has the kind of spoken word but I always love it when someone does, like, spoken word over vocals. I know you can't perform the both at the same time, but I always love that kind of texture. And I think... Thinking about what Ollie's like as a performer, he's so kind of dynamic and physical and, you know, quite sexual. I can imagine doing something really interesting with that bit of the performance on stage. And obviously it's the end of the song. So it's a bit that's going to really stick in people's minds. So I imagine that bit has been written with the performance in mind because he's smart. So, yeah, that's my I think my. I love the kind of intro that sounds kind of Pet Shop And then the last minute is
2: probably my favourite bit of the song. It's really interesting, isn't it? Because there's been a lot of reaction, obviously, since the song came out at midnight, and some people absolutely love it, and some people are, I wouldn't say disappointed, that probably feels a bit strong, but maybe a little underwhelmed by what we've got as an entry. Do you think it's the case, though, that there was such a build-up, there was so much excitement, there was so much talk around the entry, that actually, if we hadn't had any of that, and we'd just been presented with Dizzy and had no knowledge of it previously... We would maybe be viewing the entry slightly differently. Yeah, I mean I think I think that's definitely
5: true. Like if sudden if like we had no idea what was going on with UK Eurovision this year and suddenly like last night like Ollie announced he was doing it, here's the song, I think people would be like probably receiving it like a little bit more kind of excitedly than they are. I think, yeah. Because we had the clips that sounded amazing and there has been such a lot of build up. I think people were kind of expecting it to be ten out of ten on first listen, which I think for most of us it probably isn't. But it's it's a really I think it's a strong song, and I think
2: it's it with the right performance, it can be a contender. And this, of course, isn't just about Ollie this year, which I know sounds like a ridiculous thing to say, but if you think about the team that are around Ollie, that have been, of course, well talked about. So Danny L. Hall producing the song and also Theo Adams Who's working on the staging, the entry, the creative that we will see in, in Malma. I mean, just talk a little bit about those two individuals and how important, and I suppose how much of a kind of ringing endorsement for Eurovision it is that those two are both willing to to be part of what we're doing as the UK this year.
5: Yeah, I mean, I think
2: it's it's really it's amazing, really, that
5: Danielle Hull has produced this song. I mean, he's done the last two Dua Lipa singles, so he's basically seems like he's going to be one of the main producers of one of the big pop albums of the year. Um, so like Oli has pulled out a great collaborator and I guess maybe the, the more casual viewer watching Eurovision on the night is not going to know that. But I think if Ollie can make that part of his story that he's got great people around him, it's his like top-notch kind of pop production then it's it, it's only going to help. And yeah, I think that does, I think that, that, that just kind of underlines the shift in the UK music industry towards Eurovision over the last five years where someone who's really kind of not just credible, but like cool. Someone who's like right at the kind of this point. I think Danielle Hall, like he's worked with Charlie XCX in the past, but he's right at this point where he's gone from being kind of underground and quite left field and the mainstream's just hitting him. And at that moment, he chooses to, to do Eurovision.
2: That's really exciting. And let's go back to Ollie. You know Ollie, you've met Ollie. Is he ready for this? The, There's a lot of talk about maybe May wasn't ready for what happened, wasn't ready, maybe was thrown to the wolves a little bit, representing the UK on home soil last year. Is Ollie ready? I feel like we've got a completely different profile of artists this year.
5: I mean, I guess this, I think what we should say is that there probably is no other performance like Eurovision. It is like the biggest audience. The stakes are so high. So I guess no one's ever really ready because, unless you're Lorena, you've done it before, But um because <laughs> it's unlike anything else. But I mean, Ollie is such an experienced performer like if you think he's done arena shows with years and years he's done Glastonbury on the other stage amazing productions he's so I think he really comes alive on stage he's so dynamic so I think he's as ready as you can be and he will just understand the assignment in a way that I think very few artists in the UK could do really just because of who his musical influences are what his background is musically he's also you know he's an actor so he's got that kind of Um, energy he can bring to the stage so yeah i mean i don't i feel like until you've done it you probably don't know if you're ready but he's as
2: ready as he can be and i don't know if you can give us a bit of an insight in this i don't know if you you know this but years and years obviously how successful were they in europe will european audiences know who ollie alexander is
5: yeah i think the first album particularly was um big in europe and it was was king which was the number one in the uk but that song was a hit all over europe and i think shine was which was the follow-up single um, I think what we could say about that is I don't think subsequent years and years albums did quite as well as the first one, but King and Shine weren't that long ago and a song can be 20 years old and if people love it, then they're going to greet that artist with open arms as they come and do something they like. Look at Sophillis Baxter. Um, she's been performing Murder on the Dance Floor all over Europe the last you know, <laughs> few weeks um, and she hadn't had you know much success in most of those countries for quite a while but they remember her they remember the song at work so i feel like yeah there would be among kind of european pop fans they'd be like oh yeah years and years like we remember i mean king i think was particularly big in germany um and then
2: shine so yeah there's, there's a there's a grounding there i think so Nick, to sum up overwhelming feeling from you we are a couple of months away from the contest now where are you at? Where Where's your thinking at with the UK and Eurovision in 2024?
5: Uh, I'm optimistic. I'm always optimistic. I'm never not going to be. I think, yeah, like the song didn't quite kind of grab me by the neck the way I wanted it to. But having hammered it, I do think it's a banger. And I think with Ollie's skills as a performer and his kind of willingness to try something quite daring i mean i really do want to know what he's going to do because I, I mean i don't even remember when he hosted the bbc's um new year's eve show a few years ago and he made it like super sexy and super queer like I mean, i'm not saying he's going to do that for your vision but i think feel like he does make bold choices so i just i love the fact that the the thing i kind of criticize with this song the fact that it kind of goes on one level maybe in some ways that will help performance because i feel like he's going to be going for it for the whole three minutes with May's performance last year it felt like there was kind of a minute in the middle where nothing much happened like she started off at the back on the platform it was cool and then it was nice when she walked at the end but there's a minute in the middle where nothing much was happening I feel like that's not going to happen here I feel like every second he's going to make count um and because the song has that kind of like quite like feverish pulse the whole way through I feel like it's going to be quite intense the whole performance so I'm yeah I just really want to see what he's (laughs) going to do with it really (laughs)
2: don't we all don't we all uh nick it is always a pleasure whenever there is uk eurovision news you're always there you're always willing to answer the call and thank you very much for being back on the euro trip thank you for having me
4: when you aren't listening find us on social media at euro
3: trip podcast on twitter and instagram Thanks as always to, to Nick for joining us on the podcast. Of course, he joined us when Ollie was announced, when we, we brought you an emergency episode uh, then back in December. So nice to get him back on to hear his thoughts uh, on the song. I will reiterate, Ollie's mum, <laughs> Ollie's mother is still to come on the Eurotrip uh, today. But first, let us bring you this, uh, because at the start of the year, we brought you an exclusive interview uh, with Lee Smithers, who this year is BBC Studios' uh, Eurovision executive producer, uh, and Will Wilkin, who is the BBC's music commissioning executive. <laughs> A couple of mouthfuls of uh, job titles there, it has to be said. Uh, but they joined us to talk all about the process of choosing Ollie. And also about what their aims are for him, and now we know the song, Dizzy, uh, of course. We'll put a full link in the description uh, so you can go and listen to this episode in full. But this is Will uh, and first Lee telling us how they decided on Ollie Alexander for Eurovision this year. Yeah, we, we
6: should probably tell you how it started right at the beginning, and I'll let Will tell you who was in the room. We decided sort of the very first meeting we had was myself and Will. Susie Lam, who's the managing director of BBC Studios, and Pete Ogden, who I mentioned before. And then Will assembled a lot of people from radio. And that was across all the different genres to sit in that room, very first kickoff meeting. And we asked loads of questions to everyone. We told them about Eurovision. Who would you like to see? Who, have, who are you championing on your stations? Who do you think is a great artist? Who have you seen perform live? All these different things that we just sort of put into a melting pot of who does everyone in this room? want to see. So Will can tell you from from his side who came because that that was really integral, really, to how we started this whole process.
1: Yeah, it was a slightly new way of doing things, wasn't it? In terms of we assembled that room and at least as, you know, stakeholders from BBC Studios were there. But we had people from the music teams at Radio and Radio 2 who have far knowledge. We had people that have worked in record labels around both music and social and digital content. We had social leads from the BBC, you know, the the person that's mostly responsible for some of our biggest TikTok accounts came. And we and it was a real sort of like a, a demographic in terms of age and sex and how people identify because we wanted to make sure that it felt like what we were talking about was for everybody. You know, really importantly, we brought BBC Introducing along because so many great British artists have started their journeys there with BBC Introducing. And they are such an incredible knowledge base. So it was a really interesting mix in that room. And Lee gave kind of like... a where we're at in terms of the Eurovision cycle, where we're at in terms of artists, where we're at in terms of the success we've seen and what we think we're looking for, not in terms of like what we're looking for in terms of like trying to be really prescriptive that leads you to one artist, what we're looking for really broadly. Because actually the one thing you find with Eurovision winners, there isn't any pattern to them massively in terms of who've won over previous years. There just isn't a huge amount of pattern. There's a pattern in terms of maybe how people have approached their campaigns or how people have staged or how people have grown, but not patterns in terms of the exact sound of song. And what I would say that we had within that room are a plethora of people who have worked both in the BBC and in the commercial sector who know what a commercially successful hit single would be. And Lee then brought this Eurovision knowledge to that and kind of gave us this really broad picture to paint or this like illustration that we, we would be coloring in. And we sat down for maybe an hour working out who we thought it would be exactly this what lee was saying in terms of like who we felt was supporting who would be our dream person all of these things And we had them all on post-it notes And then we started the painstaking process of being like would they wouldn't they that might just be the best idea we've ever had which is weird and we had all these three categories and we set that we sat down with a you know one of them was like maybe not right now but they could do or maybe just not right now and so we left those for a while and we took these other two categories which are like one was called i think definitely maybe don't know why And one was called god it'd be amazing if they did wouldn't it dot 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 and we kind of collated all of those. We then sent it round. There was a big kind of like polling uh, exercise around that, and you know, Ollie came out right up there in terms of how people felt across all of the networks in terms of him being the right artist.
3: Has somebody got a picture, by the way, of of, of the two boards? Because I feel like that would be one of the most valuable pictures for Eurovision for fans around the world. Put them all in
1: the confidential sure. waste bin. All of those. Really <laughs> nice. I say they're really nice post-it notes. And I was like, I have to put these in a the confidential waste bin. So yeah, once i <laughs> illustrated what the list was, I put them away, I'm afraid.
6: So as Will said, he was he was definitely on that list of people that we were like, wouldn't it be great if he did it? Um, and then I think, you know, whether it's fate or not, that same week or maybe the week after, um, Ollie's plugger, um, she's called Sarah Hado, TV plugger that Will and I know got in touch to say, management would love to have a meeting with you about Eurovision next year. Did that come about because they knew you were talking about him or was that just serendipitous? No. They didn't know. They didn't know that we were talking about him. It just so happened at the same time. So we had a meeting with management probably very early summer last year. Um, And I think Ollie's mentioned himself that when he was in discussions a couple of years ago, he didn't feel like he was in the right place or he didn't have the right song. So we just asked them what he'd been doing. And they mentioned that he'd been working with Daniel Hall for a year, writing lots of music. And they said they've got some really great stuff. So now he's in a position where he's got, you know, several songs that they were considering as a lead single for his next album. Um, And we just discussed Eurovision, why he wanted to do it. And as he said before in his own interviews, like he's a genuine fan of the contest and it's something that he's always wanted to do. But I I feel like for Oli, He definitely thought that this was the right time. I think the stuff that he's been writing with Danny, who is also a Eurovision fan, he just felt that this was the right moment with the right kind of music that he would want to take to the the contest. So from there, the next thing we asked them to do was when they were ready to send, and this is what we did for every artist we spoke to, we asked them to send us a couple of songs, not just one, so we could, you know, Will and I could then take it back to a wider team and say, you know, here's Ollie, here's a couple of songs that we've got, or here's X, Y, Z, and then they did the next couple of weeks, they gathered their songs together and they sent us a couple of songs to listen to. And, and they were all great, weren't they? Well, I remember the first time that we opened up the, the file with the songs in. And, you know, you always I'd, I say you worry, you don't worry, but you always want them to be good because you get so far in the process and you get excited about the potential of Ollie and the same with other artists. And sometimes, you know, we would have other artists that we were interested in and then the songs just weren't perfect you know, they didn't feel like they were, they were right. But um, all these all songs that he sent to us were really strong. So it was a tough
3: decision, really, from there. Talk us through the decision making process then. So when Ollie sends some songs, he's not the only one sending songs in at that point. So you've got to whittle down, first of all, some other artists, but then you've also got to whittle down Ollie's songs as well. So who was involved in that process? So I guess with the first bit to talk about the artists is that depending
6: on who they were and if they had, you know, some of them did have major labels and some of them didn't. So if they had like major labels, like for Ollie, for example, Will and I went to meet Jody, who is the co-managing director of Polydor, Ollie's label. So this was before Ollie was selected to make sure that, one, they would support him as a label. What were their thoughts for his campaign next year? Where are they with with Ollie? Just to check that if this was going to be, you know, if we were going to go for Ollie, that this would be... They were going to fully back the campaign. Essentially, it would be the lead single from his next album. You know, all their resources really would be put into that. And I think from when we met Jody, and Will knows Jody much better than I do. He was so enthused about the project and obviously he told us that uh, Polydor were home to Lorene and Abba in the UK. So all these things that had fallen into place around the Ollie campaign of just, you know, of course, you need the, the the Paramount thing is the song. It's a song contest. Then you need a great artist. But then it is amazing when all these other little things fall into place that are just sort of, oh, that's great, that's great, and that's great
3: as well. Will, did your ears prick up the first time you heard that Ollie had been working with Danielle Hall? And, and then when you heard some of the songs as well? Uh, the must have done, surely.
1: Well, of course. And and you suddenly go, yeah, that makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? And I think when you hit when we heard several tracks, which we did hear, you go, yeah, this really does make sense having names like that associated with Eurovision is incredible. As as I say, as Lee says, when we went up to Polydor, it was a really exciting experience because we came in with the energy, but they were like, yeah, we want to do this, this, and this. And I was like, oh, okay, this is this is you know, you guys are really, really serious about this.
3: Will, very quickly, what do you think would be a successful result for for Ollie this year? Do you have something in the back of your head like a a number one or a top 10 result? Have you got something that is a barometer for success?
1: I mean, our ambition is to win. And our ambition is for the single to go to number one. And for it to be another watershed moment for Eurovision for the UK. That is our ambition. And I think with everything in life, you have to make peace with what the worst case scenario is to reach the best. Everyone that enters Eurovision, anyone that's associated with Eurovision, everyone's aware of what the worst case scenario can be. But I believe that this will be another huge growth spike in terms of what Eurovision means. And we can measure that in a million different ways if we want to. But really, we're going there to win it. And we are going there to win it with a single that is an incredibly commercially successful single.
4: When you are in listening, find us on social media. At EuroTour Podcast on Twitter and Instagram.
2: I would absolutely recommend that anyone who hasn't heard it, and I can't imagine there are many people now listening to this that haven't heard it yet, but if you haven't heard the chat that James had with Will and with Lee, go back and listen because it is such an insight, such a brilliant insight into the inner workings of the BBC their general kind of view on Eurovision in 2024 and where we're at with the UK and Eurovision right now. So yeah, if you haven't listened to it yet, go back and have a listen because it is fantastic.
3: But then again, we would say that <laughs> yeah, very big-headed of you. Uh, uh, I mean that. I mean that in jest, by the way. But I'm not saying you genuinely are big-headed. But... I, mean, I mean, I mean, literally quite a big head. <fair>. Uh, Anyway, shall we bring you this as well? Uh, Because on the main episode of the Eurotrip earlier this week, I sat down with Dan Shipton, uh, who is a creative director for so many uh, of the most eye-catching Eurovision performances uh, from years gone by, including uh, Sam Ryder's Spaceman back in 2022. Uh, We were talking all about his role in Eurovision this year. He's going to be designing the staging for three countries, but I also asked him about his thoughts on Ollie Alexander and what it means for the UK and the BBC in the long run.
0: Well, look, I mean, obviously I've been a part of Team UK for a long time, but we always knew that um when Ollie was selected, he would come with his own creative team. So I've known that Ollie was potentially on the list for a very long time. And so there was no real surprise. And actually, um, you know, it works out um well that we're not even able to be in Malmo this year because obviously our little one's on the way so we wouldn't necessarily have been able to give it the full focus anyway but also irrespective of all of that um Theo Adams who is going to be doing the creative um is a friend and we've known each other for years we've connected on Ploma Faith and we've connected over Eurovision and we've connected over um so much and he is so right for Ollie and, and will do such a fantastic job. It would be wrong for me to think that we're the only people that can do Team UK and we have that, you know, between him and between Lee and between a great performance from Ollie. um, It's a really exciting year for um, the United Kingdom. So all I can do is obviously, you know, I'm still very much a Brit and I'm very much proud of what we've done. And I just want that legacy to continue. And I feel like with ollie and um with him being picked this year it's the the next kind of positive stepping stone in the direction that we want to be going in um as the united kingdom and i think that's what we've got to be thinking about i think you know it opens up radio one it opens up um so much potential for more collaborations with record labels um and i and i personally think that um star power is irrelevant at Eurovision unless it probably comes from an, a sense of authentic Eurovision star power because I think obviously Lorreen came in last year with quite a lot of power and and obviously won but I actually think when it comes down to votes it's all about a great performance with a great vocal and it's a song competition at the end of the day so I'm all about um, championing, championing that and I think if um, it's it's only going to be a positive this year um, wherever we and wherever we end up coming. And I know there's been so much hype, and I think Lee and the team have played an absolute blinder with the the the, the releases and all the kind of little like strictly announcements and all those things. It's been absolutely amazing to see, and I'm just so excited to see um, the performance on the night. And with
3: Ollie, it's definitely a great stepping stone, isn't it, for the future? You know, whatever his result may well be, it's a great calling card for the BBC for the future to be able to say, "Look, Ollie Alexander, he's uh, he's been in the charts; he's willing to go to Eurovision." So, going forward for them, it's a great calling card. It's a great stepping stone, nonetheless.
0: You know, having sat around the table at the BBC and talked about all of these things. Even though we hosted last year, there is still a massive desire to win, and there is that that hasn't gone away. And I and I feel like we're um, getting all of the ingredients right. um, And so there's so so it won't be long until we do host again i'm absolutely positive of that um but obviously it would be nice to be hosting um because we've actually come first and and um that's an exciting prospect so i think ollie doing it this year um is an absolute perfect stepping stone towards that um that win and obviously if if we brought it home this year that's truly exciting but even if we don't um, I don't think it matters because I think actually we think we've got to think about the long-term goal and the bigger picture. And the long-term goal is it'll be back in the UK in the next few years.
3: Great to be optimistic. Absolutely, Dan. I love it. I love it.
0: Well, the irony is I don't even feel optimistic. I just feel like it's a it's a destined like we're it's, we're destined to do it. I feel like we're the ducks are aligning, and I actually feel like the ducks are aligning for all of the big five. Um, and I think it's exciting that suddenly, you know, when I when I joined back though however many years ago it was now, um, the, the big five were kind of not really a thing anymore. And then all of a sudden, um, we're now getting it right.
2: I love the positivity from Dan there. And you said, well, that's optimistic. And what is it Dan said? He's like, it's not optimistic. I just
3: think it's going to happen. Yeah, he just feels realistic about it, and I, and I think he is right. We we are certainly heading in the di- in the right direction. Don't, don't you? Don't you? Don't
2: don't you I've say said... we're taking a step in the right direction? Because the Twitter trolls are going to come for you again.
3: Oh, I mean it though. I mean it though. There's not a problem with stepping in the right direction. Lorene going to Eurovision again. We're certainly a step in the right direction as well. You know, it's not a criticism.
2: No, absolutely not. I completely agree with you. But yeah, really good to to sort of go back into our own archives there and. Our very recent archives, obviously, having a listen to Dan from the, from the main episode that we, we released earlier in the week on Wednesday, but also from, from Lee and, and from Will as well, as I said, so to get an idea about what the BBC are thinking when it comes to Eurovision 2024. James, I feel like we've waited long enough. Would you like to hear from Ollie Alexander's mum? It's a no-brainer. It's a yes for me. I couldn't possibly go into telling you how this came about, but I'm just delighted that it did. So, obviously, a massive day for Ollie Alexander goes without saying, but a massive day too for Ollie's friends and family because for them, as you'll hear in this interview, Ollie and his mum. Ollie grew up watching Eurovision. This is kind of a dream come true for him. And in this chat, you'll find out more about kind of Ollie's mum finding out that Ollie wanted to do Eurovision and the journey that they've been on since and her having to keep the whole thing a bit of a secret, but also some other fun stuff in there about what it was like at home at Christmas and how Ollie got involved in cooking the Christmas dinner. Stuff that you're not going to hear on any other podcast. So yeah, I hope you enjoy this. Here's what happened when I caught up from her conservatory with Ollie Alexander's mum. So Vicky, welcome to the Trip. Hi. <laughs> Vicky, you should probably tell our listeners who you are. Okay,
4: well I'm Vicky and I'm Ollie's mum, otherwise known as Ollie's mum,
2: yes. <laughs> well, Vicky, it is incredible to, to have you on the podcast. Everyone is talking about Ollie, understandably, and we've been hearing from Ollie about how he's been finding today and we've been hearing him across, you know, TV and radio, but how are you finding Ollie's song finally being out there.
4: Oh, it, it's just such a a wonderful moment, actually, and it's St. David's Day. Hello, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, finally out there because we've just had a little snip of it uh, for the last couple of months or whatever, and it's kind of I've I'd heard it, it's not the actual finished version, but it's oh come on, yeah, so it's brilliant, yeah, 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 hooray! <laughs> and now it's out there. It's kind of quite scary you know
2: what have you been doing today presumably have you been busy yourself people have been chatting to you and you've been listening presumably to to wally appearing all over the place
4: yeah so it's been a little bit busy um the tea, the camera crew from bbc points west did a little bit with me in our little town here in the forest of dean um this morning in a break in the weather which was which was good yeah yeah so everyone's really excited yeah
2: and what, what's it, what's it been like for you in terms of, as you said, you know, family and friends? Presumably, they've been WhatsApping you and and whatnot over the course of today, and they've all been listening to the song as well.
4: Yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, Ollie's all of Ollie's cousins and my sister and my extended family and my friends. Absolutely, we've got this. Well, as you know, WhatsApp. We've got a few groups going on, and there's some little ones as well. So they've been testing it out on the little ones, and it's a banger.
2: <laughs> it, it's it's a winner with the kids.
4: Yeah, it's a hit with the kids. So that's <laughs> I
2: mean, Vicky, there are so many things I want to uh, want to to ask you. I suppose actually, first one: have you spoken to Wally today yet, or has he been too busy?
4: Only um, messaging. Yeah. So yeah, he's he's just he's just point you know pointed in a direction and off he goes. He doesn't really know where he's going, probably <laughs> either. But uh, somebody organises that for him, of course. But yeah, he's just I'll speak to him later, probably.
2: Nice, exactly. nice. That would be good. That would be good. I um, mean, as I say, so many things I want to ask you about. F- first one, I suppose, are, are you, Ollie, and Eurovision? Because I think you know, you, you as a household and 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 growing up, always watched yeah. Eurovision.
4: Yes, we did. We honestly did. I mean, it used to be a really long show, didn't it? I mean, it's quite long now, but it used to be even longer with the points system then, and you were there for hours and hours, and then eventually the. The kids would fall asleep, but they would normally be up dancing, snacking, and we would vote, you know, on what we, which ones we liked, which ones we didn't like, and yeah, it was always lots of fun. Always look forward to it. Yeah.
2: So what you're saying is, have we got you to thank for doing Eurovision? Because without you picking up the TV <laughs> in the first place, would it have never happened?
4: Um, I don't know if I can take that one, <laughs> but because uh, he was well into it anyway, if you know what I mean, it kind of. But yeah, why not? Yes, yeah, thanks to it. me. Yeah. Yes, let's
2: own it. <laughs> so, so, Vicky, when obviously the opportunity comes along for, for Ollie to, to do Eurovision and to represent the UK, did he give you an idea that this was something he wanted to do or that this was potentially on the cards? Do you remember, you know, I don't know, whether it was a phone call or he came round or sent you a WhatsApp saying, oh, they'd they quite like me to do Eurovision. What do you think?
4: He It did go something a bit like that, but more of a kind of... A... I think I want to do the Eurovision <laughs> and there's a possibility that I could. And then it was kind of a mixture of, huh? um, wow. And then, oh, scary. And kind of, because as a parent, you're kind of, as a mum, you're kind of, oh, that's going to expose you so much, but you're already exposed. And actually every decision he's ever made has absolutely been spot on. So you got to go with what you trust, isn't it? You've got to trust your instinct. So yeah, very happy for him. But
2: I mean oh. <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah. but but before I suppose before you take us on the rest of the journey with you, we don't often get to hear the, you know, the sort of from the from the family and friends of of people in the spotlight. So what what's it like for you? Obviously, everybody knows Ollie. They know him from years and years. It's a sin, everything he's done. What's it yeah. like for you to be on the journey with with them? Because obviously, there's a huge amount of pressure on them, but also a huge amount of pressure on on, on you to be there for them as well.
4: Yeah, I mean that's a really difficult question. Um, it's a good question. It's, uh, um, I mean on the journey, I think for all the family and friends, it's, you know, we no one could be more proud of than us. You know, really. More than me actually but anyway <laughs> um and it, it's strange when you meet people and they know that you're Ollie's mum it's sometimes people it takes people a little bit of time to kind of get their head around that because we're just human beings you know and that's a funny thing isn't it celebrity is a funny funny thing because they're all human beings too it's yeah um but I think, on the whole, people love the fact that they know of or they're close to someone like Ollie. I mean, Ollie, yeah,
2: yeah. And like you said, he's he's not made some bad decisions in his life, has he? He's always he's always uh, he's always been pretty on point with what he's done so far. So to he's see, had. To, so to see, yeah, to see what he has done. Obviously, yeah. stupid question, but you must be so proud with what he's done.
4: I'm so. I I mean, ugh, he. So, he everything he does, everything whenever he picks up the phone and starts to tell me about something, the next projects, he often starts off with a little giggle. <laughs> and then I kind of know, ah, oh, what's coming? <laughs> and then, you know, I mean, there's so many. There's It's a Sin, there's Playing with Elton John, there's um, Flying the flag, flag for Pride on the Glastonbury stage. I mean, there's so many moments that. I, you know sometimes you th- and then Eurovision and it's kind of well what happens after that you know crikey Has, <laughs>
0: uh...
4: you know, flow, you know? I, I I tried to get my head around it in the beginning um but I couldn't so I thought right like I'm, I'm not going to try I'm just going to go with the flow and take it as it comes
2: he <laughs> uh he must have got you into some pretty cool places, though. Any any like, amazing parties he's got you into? Have you, have you been along to anything that he's he's managed to take you to? And you're like, actually, this is pretty great.
4: I know. Well, early on, I mean, there are so many actually, but um early on he did a film Great Expectations. And I, well, I stood on the red carpet. I was kind of ushered to the side, but there he was walking the red carpet with a bank of photography paparazzi and everything else and on my left was Hannah Bonham Carter <laughs> it was just amazing you know just whoa what's happening and then the after party after that was full of all the stars of, of the film and that was quite mind-blowing yeah so I had quite a, a glimpse into it early on you know it was that kind of thing but yeah I mean going to Glastonbury I love that on the pyramid stage backstage that was, that was cool um, yeah so there, there, there's lots I mean how long have
2: you got <laughs> well now this year of course you know a turquoise carpet in Malmo for Eurovision and uh... I know
4: turquoise yeah. I love that
2: a little bit a yeah. little bit a little bit different I mean let's get back to Eurovision then obviously yeah. Ollie, sa- Ollie says this is something I think I would like to do and you have the conversation that you have and then he yeah. tells you he's doing it so I mean yes. when 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 was that and what was that like
4: uh, so that was just a bit before Christmas I think and um I I kind of had an inkling as I said that he was it was in his mind and something was happening but then he told it was confirmed and he rang me up and told me and I literally screamed <laughs> I literally screamed and then <laughs> laughed and then screamed again <laughs> yeah so and then- I', was, I was feeling a bit hysterical to be honest but yeah. <laughs>
2: I, th- I think we all were when we found out he was doing it, so I don't think it's it's, it's just the you thing, <laughs> But But th- then comes the difficult part for you, because obviously you're not allowed to... Well, you're theoretically not allowed to tell anybody. So incredibly <laughs> incredibly difficult to keep, you know, such difficult. an exciting piece of news for the family and for Ollie to yourself.
4: I know. I know. I know. I, I nearly had to sign, a, a, you know, a thingy. But um, I, I was really good. I was really good. But I actually... Did tell my best friends <laughs> and my closest family, but that, you know,
2: why well, But they kept the, they kept the secret as well. It was fine.
4: Yeah, it was hard. It was really, really hard. I mean, there was a lot of speculation already, and so I would get questions um, out and about, and um, I just go, oh, "I don't know,
2: don't know." I know, I know, I know <laughs> as much as you about that, that kind it's of thing.
4: Exactly. Yeah. So yeah
2: so what was it like once he was announced obviously so that was you know Strictly Come Dancing the Strictly Final what was that like it must have been a bit of a relief to, to finally have the news out there as well
4: yes oh my gosh yes but what a way to announce it I thought that was so exciting yeah I love that um yeah nice Christmas present
2: <laughs> do he pop round at Christmas oh yes he wouldn't dare not <laughs> <laughs> Because <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think I remember when when he was announced. I think he said he was hoping to get a bit of a holiday before he started on the Eurovision stuff off around Christmas yeah. time. But I'm pleased he still got home for Christmas. That's that's good. Oh, he
4: did. Yeah. So I bring yeah a couple of days, but he always gets home for Christmas. Yeah.
2: Does he? Does he have a um like a Christmas table request? You know, for example, he always has to have this thing for a starter, or you always have to make sure you get this thing in when you know he's coming home.
4: <laughs> um. Well, actually, that reminds me. If he did Celebrity Bake Off,
2: amazing. Yes, of course. Yeah, him and the rest and... of the cast did it,
0: didn't they?
4: <laughs> yeah. So um, sometimes we'll have the leftover curried vegetable pie. That's a really good one, which he did on Celebrity Bake Off. That's a really good one. But yeah, he normally does. He's my my sous chef. Uh huh. And yeah. And he did amazing dauphinoise because he's a vegetarian. Yeah, yeah. Amazing dauphinoise and, and often actually does the nut roast himself as well. So
2: he's a good cook. Okay. So if we get the chance to talk to Ollie before Eurovision, I've got to ask him for yeah. the dauphinoise recipe, basically.
4: Yes. I mean, it was amazing. <laughs> Much better than anything I've ever done. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so, so Ollie's announced is doing Eurovision and then obviously comes the next bit. That you have to get through, which is waiting for the songs to be released, which of course now we have heard. So did he did he ever play you the song? Did you hear the song before the rest of us? I mean, did it did he did he sense check with you? What do you think?
4: Yeah, I mean, no, I mean, not in the terms of, you know, getting the thumbs up from me. He doesn't need that but um
2: <laughs> I, like, I do yeah, like the idea of him I do like the idea of him working with like Danielle L Harlan going actually mum said chorus, chorus, chorus isn't quite there <laughs> if we can do some changes
4: <laughs> oh my gosh I wouldn't dare <laughs> um yeah no I did hear hear it he did send me um an unfinished version so it's not the version quite the version that is out now um a kind of different break but um but yeah pretty much was there in it so, and when i visit, go and visit him we play it and so i i knew i knew what was coming
2: <laughs> and now it's here and it's here. again you must be so pleased because you know you, you hopefully all the bits are done now there's no more secrets that you need to keep around eurovision you can you can just enjoy it now
4: absolutely can't wait
2: so but apparently
4: so- rylan is going to look after me hey
2: <laughs> oh, I mean, is that, is that something you want?
4: <laughs> I don't know. Well, I mean, he did um, an interview with, with Rylan and they talked about keeping it secret. And, of course, he told me, and was I going to Malmo? And um, Rylan said, she better be, otherwise I'll smuggle her in my suitcase. So... <laughs> so I'm looking forward to that. Bit scared, but, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Love Rylan.
2: I was going to say. So ne- next up for you then is is presumably just all eyes on all eyes on Sweden, all eyes on on Malma, yeah. and and you'll be there and you'll get to. I was going to yeah. say enjoy, and there will be a lot of enjoy, but there'll also presumably will be a lot of nerves, and you know you do have to provide that support for him as well.
4: Yes, yeah, yeah. I'll be there. I don't know how much I'll be allowed to see him, however, but you know, hopefully, I'll we'll spend a few nights. Um, Eating out, maybe, or I don't know what's gonna happen. I I have no idea. I'm just being told to go from A to B and that's what I'll do.
2: How how is he normally before you know a big a big show, big performance? I you know, I think about that Brit's performance, of course, in 2021. <laughs> how how is he normally? Is he is he, you know, obviously a bit of nerves but good nerves in yeah. a way, or you know, oh, he yeah. just takes it in his stride?
4: No, I, I would say he, he has the nerves, yeah. Um, but in a good way, yeah. So so to use them in a positive way. But yes, I, I I don't think, I I don't know how you can do things like that without being nervous, you know. But yeah, there'll be nerves and he'll ride on those and the adrenaline will fly, he'll fly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and,
2: you know, I've said now you don't have any more Eurovision secrets to keep, hopefully, but I mean, has he told you about any, any other plans for... For Malmo, you can't tell me, I'm sure, but has he told you about anything exciting that you I know honestly, that we've got to do I look don't forward
4: know. To? I know nothing. I absolutely know nothing. I'm just getting on a plane. That's it. <laughs> and I probably won't sleep until I come back. Gotta be prepared for that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, it has been uh, brilliant to chat to you, Vicky. Thank you so much for, for thank you so much for giving your time on, you know, as you said, what was such an exciting day for for Ollie and, and the whole for you and the whole family. So thank you for giving your time. It's been brilliant to to talk to you and yeah. Just just let Ollie know when you speak to him later
3: on, we're all we're all wishing him the best.
4: Will do. Thank you so much. Thank you.
3: I think Vicky should become a, a regular guest on on the podcast. She should become a regular contributor. The Euro trip with Rob, James and Vicky. How about that, eh? (laughs) I quite like the idea of
2: doing a podcast live from Vicky's conservatory. Honestly, it was lovely. (laughs) But before the interview, we were having a chat about her succulents that were on the window. And I asked how they'd survived the winter. And she said, yeah, they've done all right, actually. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, lovely to chat to Vicky. Ridiculous that we managed to do that. So, yeah, Ollie Alexander's mum on the podcast today. Hope you enjoyed it. And uh, do share your thoughts on socials if you want, at Eurotrip Podcast on uh, Twitter and Instagram. We're on TikTok and threads as well. And if you want to send us any of your longer thoughts, you can do that on the email. Hello at EurotripPodcast.com. Oh,
3: and exclusive stories, James. EurotripPodcast.com. Yes, indeed. If you're a brand new listener, if this is the first time you're joining us here on the Eurotrip, we don't just pop up every now and again for bonus and emergency episodes. We're here with you every single Wednesday. So we'll be back with you next Wednesday for a brand new episode of the Eurotrip. And of course, for all you Melfest fans, we'll be back on Monday for a brand new episode of Melfest Monday. Rounding everything up from the world of Melody Festival. But in the meantime... Don't forget to subscribe, leave us a review and rate us five stars. From me, James, it's goodbye. And from me, Rob, it's goodbye.